What is going on, everyone? Football is back. Well, not quite. It's still a couple weeks till training camp, but really football is back because they are giving us just incredible, incredible content here. A lot going on in the NFL. We're going to be talking Dak Prescott here on this week's episode of the podcast. I have chosen to basically omit that from a lot of podcasts early on, but also another looming contract potentially contingent upon many other things. Tyreek Hill. More information came out in that regard. The 11-minute audio. We're going to be talking All-Star Game weekend here. Mike Trout loved something that came out during the All-Star Game, and we will talk about that. It is episode 23 of the podcast. Let's get to it. Another All-Star Game weekend in the books. I shouldn't say weekend, weekday. It's a Monday, Tuesday. Had the off day yesterday. I found myself really bored. There's nothing to watch. It's the one day out of the year of the four major professional sports. There's not a game going on. Very dull day yesterday, July 10th. Uh, But we got baseball coming up here this evening. I believe it's the Braves and Phillies. Maybe it's Braves and Nats. But biggest takeaway from the All-Star game, in my opinion was not the game, American League won, obviously. What I enjoyed most was prior to the start of it, we had a Mike Trout commercial, 60 seconds long, basically in response to Rob Manfred's comments last year. A lot of people think those comments where Manfred said, hey, you know, it takes both ways. We need participation from Mike. We need the players to want to market themselves. It can't just be all on MLB. People took that as a haymaker from Manfred to Trout. And that's wasn't the case, okay? He was simply pointing out the mere facts. It does take participation from both. And all of player pro media, they came out in droves. They said, oh my God, Manfred, throwing his star player, best in the game, under the bus. How can he do this? And it's just nonsense, okay? He was simply pointing it out. Trout even said this isn't a big deal. He immediately came out. I believe it was like a day later. The Angels didn't like it. They came out with a statement. Trout said, no big deal. Move on. But this is great that they came out with this commercial. Trout saying, I'm going to be just who I am. I believe the line was, I'm not who everybody wants me to be, but I am who I've always been. And it's great. Mike Trout is awesome. He just plays He's the same guy from what I can tell from whether it's his high school buddies talking, whether it's his parents is talking, uh, whether it's the Angels talking, whoever. He's been the same guy from day one. Players don't need to market themselves if they don't want to. It's a choice. If he just wants to put his head down, do his work, give all the credit to his teammates, not be active on social media, that's fine. The NBA, the NFL, there's plenty of people that want to do that. And even in the MLB, Alex Bregman is among that group. They do that too. But it's a choice. It's not the responsibility of the player or the league if the player doesn't want to. I love the commercial for Mike Trout. It's just who he is. It's who he'll always be. And I love watching him nonetheless. So it must have been just a few minutes ago because I got it pushed to my phone uh, right before I hopped on the horn here. And it was, it's regarding Dak Prescott. And it's always funny, especially in today's world, because we do look at our phones and we consume information in little snippets. It's funny that anytime someone responds in disagreement with another, it's always labeled the same. And that's fires back or claps back. You know, it, it's, it's like one of the two. And a lot of times you find that it's like, oh, he, he didn't fire back. He just simply disagreed and stated his opinion. 
Uh, and that's exactly what Dak Prescott did because Pro Football Focus came out, publicly said, if it's a decision of paying Dak Prescott top quarterback money, the decision from Pro Football Focus would be to move on, even though it would be tough given uh, they specifically mentioned his story uh, as reason, uh, among other factors, if uh, you wanted to hear another man's opinion. However, Dak Prescott went, uh, he, he responded to that. He said, well, you know, the thing about it is the cap always goes up. You got to worry, worry about gambling. Uh, guys, he put it, just talking about everyone, they got to get uh, their money while they can. And he simply said, okay, that's their opinion. I, I disagree. There's other factors to consider. And I think that pro football focus did consider those factors, salary cap and what have you. But Dak failed to uh, failed to identify that pro football focus is considering those things. Here's the deal with Dak Prescott, okay? I said from the beginning, if it's a, it's a matter of assigning him the proper value. 11 to 13%. I got a little wiggle room if you want to go 14, 15% because he has shown some potential. He has played, in my personal opinion, inside a structure that doesn't suit him too well with Jason Garrett and Scott Lenahan. He's now has Kellen Moore as his offensive coordinator. So we'll see if that changes. If you want to give him 14, 15% of the salary cap, okay, I'm good. Do that. 11, 13%, that like Andy Dalton style contract, that's where you probably want to live with Dak because really what you've seen up to this point, you've seen a lot, okay? The Cowboys have won the third most games in the NFL since Dak Prescott has taken over. Dak Prescott has not missed one contest since starting the 2016 season. He has been magnificent for the Dallas Cowboys. They've won a lot of games. But as we know, there's other dependent factors, and I'm certainly not naive to not mention those. But the thing about it is, in this situation, in the structure that is the NFL, you do have to pay to sometimes see more. So if I am the Dallas Cowboys, I try to get him on that Andy Dalton-style contract, that Ryan Tannehill, the Derek Carr even, if you want a recent more example, because they can get out of it for fairly nothing against their uh, dead cap money starting next season. That will be the third year for Derek Derek Carr and the Raiders. If you can hand Dak Prescott one of those... Why not? You're going to see if he can improve as a player. It won't cripple your uh, salary cap to uh, give money to other players. It's a, it's a good financial decision. The problem with society and really just you know television, what have you, is it becomes binary. It's either, are you going to give them top dollar or are you not? Well, guess what? There's this little thing called middle ground and you can go there. It's okay. Representatives of players can do that. Teams can do that. In fact, it's happened. We just I just mentioned a couple of them. It's not just a yes or no proposition. Dak Prescott has shown plenty of capabilities of taking it to another level potentially. One of which is, again, he's playing inside a structure and has done pretty good with it. That's not really all that well for his capabilities. I've said a long time, you got to get him moving outside the pocket. That's where his deep ball prowess really thrives. Off-platform throws, he's a lot better. If he can clean up his footwork a little bit, which is a coaching thing, maybe he gets the ball out a little bit sooner, doesn't take as many hits, doesn't uh, fumble the ball as much when he uh, when there's a sack coming. Dak Prescott has shown a lot. It's all just about assigning value. What percentage of the cap should this guy make? I, I, I like Dak Prescott a lot. I think he's made of the right stuff. But if it's a yes-no proposition, handing him of that $35 million range that we're talking about with the elite, with the Wilson the Wentz, the Rodgers. If it's yes, no, then I'm out. But let's just 
understand that's not how it has to work. All right, forgive me, everyone. I, uh, I just got out of the shower, and the water was uh, a bit too hot, so I, my hair is obviously still wet, and um, I'm kind of like sweating here, and I'm finding myself to be out of breath, so I'm sorry for that. Um, you'll just have to bear with me here. I have uh, got my shirt off, no pants, just sitting here in my underwear. Uh, that's the beauty of a podcast. No one sees you, and uh, you can really not even know what, what what's going on around me here. You just hear my voice, but we're going to talk some ball. That's what we do. And the biggest thing going on here, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, unfortunately, no like baseball going on right now. That's what I usually like to do on the afternoons. We got ourselves a, uh, a Thursday edition of the pod here. Usually like to check out what's going on in MLB. Thing is, we just, the good news, I should say, really, is that we got a lot of NFL news here in the early week. We're a couple weeks out from training camp, and obviously there's the, uh, there's the potential suspension with Tyreek Hill, and we got some new information released out of Kansas City. Uh, former, formerly where I resided, and it was 610 Radio that leaked, or I should say leaked, they got um, they got a hold of the 11-minute audio between Crystal and Tyreek, much of which we got uh, a few months ago before the April 2019 NFL draft, but we got the full audio now, and we got some new information, we had some new uh, claims made by Tyreek Hill, namely the fact that he says that the 2014 incident in which he punched Crystal while they were pregnant, uh, while she was pregnant with their child, he says that wasn't true. He said he never put his hands on her, um, and that's kind of the most noteworthy thing of that. I listened to the full audio. At first, I could not get a hold of it. I was waiting around until the evening because what 610 did, and this was tactically done, and good good on their part. I, I, I would do the same thing for the sake of... Uh, letting their local people get it first, and also driving people towards their station. But I was pretty much not uh, linking up with when they were playing the audio live, so I missed it. And the whole time I was just kind of surfing the internet, looking at the little snippets that people were uh, posting on their given websites of the audio. But I was like, you know, no, I need the whole thing. I want to know the whole audio so I can arrive at an appropriate conclusion you know people who just read the snippets and then say this or that yeah i'm I'm not gonna be that okay i'll leave that for the losers okay i'm gonna consider everything here and i listened to the full audio and this is where i got i'm at the same place that i was i still think tyreek hill is going to get suspended and i'm not really entirely sure why the kansas city chiefs are so optimistic i guess i kind of after thinking about a little bit harder i feel like i have an idea on why but even so I don't know why they would uh, have so much op- optimism for the piece of evidence that's out there. I'll get to that in a minute. But getting to the audio specifically, I wasn't left thinking that there needs to be something investigated more. The fact that Hill is claiming that 2014 um, wasn't in, indeed a, a crime that he committed. In fact, that he just took the uh, he took the plea deal. Uh, he, you know, he t- pleaded guilty for the sake of where he wanted to go with his career and what his lawyer's advice uh, w- was. I don't necessarily agree that the audio proved that. And I know a lot of people are pointing to Crystal's reluctance to speak when Hill presses her on questions of that night. Me, I, I simply think it's merely Crystal having known that she is wearing a wire. I think it's just her registering on how she wants to answer that question because she knows whether it's the truth or not. Maybe she did lie. I'm leaving that out there. It's entirely possible. But even if it's the other way, if it's true, 
she needs to process, how do I want to answer this? Because she knows she's wearing a wire. She wants to make sure not to incriminate herself. So that's merely what I took the reluctance to be. There was no, there was nothing to suggest that she did lie that night, that she, uh, or excuse me, she didn't lie, that Hill did not commit that crime that evening. I did not gather anything more from the audio other than that he's going to be suspended because the NFL is not going to investigate further 2014. That's one, not their job. Two, it would look very bad if for some reason they were to treat it differently than how it legally ended. That would not be good for them. So with that being said, Hill definitely had damaging remarks to Crystal. He had physical threats. And then when you combine that with the fact that he will have an aggregating factor against him 2014, that will trigger, that will become active, that will be considered. I have no reason to believe that he won't get anything uh, less than eight games. I think it's going to be a heavy suspension. I think it's going to be 10 games, but then he's going to go to arbitration and it's going to knock down to eight. I am really shocked by the optimism inside the Chiefs building. And unless there, if all public information is out there, I, I think that they're putting way too much stock into these text messages. I've said it before with text messages. If that's your point of evidence, that's very untrustworthy evidence. And the NFL, in my opinion, if with it, when they were to see these texts that uh, Hill's camp claims to be a point of evidence that he uh, he didn't hurt his son, that he's a good father, he would never do something like that. I think the NFL is going to say, well, of course you want us to interpret this digital text message this way because it's in your favor. But the truth of the matter is any digital text, whether we're talking about phone messages, email, Twitter postings, we all know those can be interpreted in endless amounts of ways. So that if that is suspect evidence that they're bringing forth and primarily relying upon both Hill and obviously the Chiefs breeding optimism, I think if that is... And that's the only, that's just what I glean. That's what I think because I don't know anything else. If there's other um, information out there that's not publicly known, then obviously, you know, I can't account for that. But if that's their primary source of reliance, I don't know why you would be so optimistic. Text messages are not worthy of, uh, of being a, a primary point of evidence. I think the hammer is going to come down on Tyreek Hill. Jimmy Smith of the Baltimore Ravens. The NFL could not prove that there was physical contact between him and his girlfriend. He still got four games, and he did not have any prior history. Hill's history will trigger as active and become an aggregating factor in this case, even though he didn't. they may not be able to prove that he put his hands on his child. The damaging threats, the physical threats, those in conjunction with the history will lead to a 10-game suspension, I believe. You know, I didn't talk about it uh, a couple of weeks ago when it came out just because there was other things going on at the time and I wanted to fit that in. And I knew that this would still be relevant a couple of weeks later. It was Chris Sims and his top quarterback list. He came out with a rather uh, polarizing one, one that included Tom Brady being ninth as far as his tiers of the best quarterbacks amongst the starters of the National Football League currently and got a lot of blowback from it. And he's going to get some more from here. I... I definitely took notice because Chris Sims was a coach on the Patriots staff uh, while Tom Brady was there. I believe it was 2011, 2012. 
during those like uh you know kind of like that revitalization of the Patriots where they kind of transform their roster and continue to you know have this dominance that they're still on today Chris Sims was a coach on that so I definitely am not dismissing it totally but you, I mean you kind of are just taken aback it's like whoa he he doesn't think that Tom Brady's even amongst the top five um, he had Cam Newton ahead of there um, he had Deshaun Watson ahead of there um, those were among the two that stuck out to me the most where I'm just like I don't know how you can put those guys up there and he also had Drew Brees outside the top 10 and I'm like wow Simsy, what are you kind of valuing here and the thing about quarterbacks is that you know people value different things you all want to get to one place and that's just touchdowns produced by your offense and people value different things Chris Sims based off his list he had Patrick Mahomes up there he had Deshaun up there um, he had Cam Newton up there. He clearly values, amongst looking looking at that list, he values mobility. He values uh, big chunk play ability. So with that, typically with the quarterback, it's arm strength. Uh, it's placement down the field. And that's fine if he does. I just have a hard time understanding it because with me, this is a you know short intermediate league. It's about getting the ball out quick. It's about finding space, finding grass with your receivers and hitting them in stride and finding higher percentage plays because they're there. Because a lot of times playing down the field, that's where the, the defense can kind of play its best some of the time, depending on you know what we're talking about. But the majority of the time, that's where the defense can play its best. Because of the rules with defenders nowadays, there's a lot that you can... You can execute a lot of plays in the short and intermediate game. That's why Tom Brady has played so well partially into his deep 40s. He is a tactician in the short game. He can throw outside the numbers so well. His fundamentals, his footwork, his throwing motion, so compact. Him, This is Drew Brees as well. This is why they succeed so deep. And that predictability, that reliability, the consistency, I, I'm, I mean, I'm shocked that you don't even have this guy, you don't have Breeze in the top 10, you got Brady, not even the top five. I think the others, uh, Rodgers was up there, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, I can get that. Supremely talented, supremely skilled. But even with Rodgers, the thing about him is that he always looks off a lot of the plays that he, he should just sit there and execute. He looks for the big play. Some of that is, you know, breeding the fact that his teams, his supporting cast hasn't always been there, so he just always goes to the guy that he has trusted as far as a, a pass uh, catcher. But, you know, it, it's a really interesting case with Sims. I don't think he's a total moron for this. I mean, you know, he, he was the one that said when Blake Bortles was having his good year in 2017 because he had the right team around him, you had the... Uh, you had Nathaniel Hackett calling the plays for him, understanding his strengths and weaknesses well. So he's he's playing off that with the, with the play calls. He was the one that said, yeah, Blake Bortles is in a top, I think he said like top 40 quarterback. He, he said he's not even good enough to start. I mean, there are backups and plenty of them that are better. And I defended him on it. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. David Caldwell, for whatever reason, is just, you know, sunk into denial that Blake Bortles can play in this league and he did a good job getting the supporting cast around him and they're flourishing because everything's going right. The schedule's going right. The defenders are there. The offensive play calling is there. Everyone's playing at the right level. Yeah, that's why the Jaguars made it to the AFC Championship game. But in the long run, in the long run, that's not going to work out. 
Jaguars failed to mention that. They pretty much lost a season because of it. They extended Bortles, and now look where they are. I'll give Simsy credit for that one. For this one, I don't know how you don't have Tom Brady in there, especially given just the the reality of the NFL in 2019 and uh, basically what it plays to. Everyone, Every man is open to their opinion, but Tom Brady and I, come on, Sims. One of Chris Sims' uh, old colleagues, maybe that's still current, I don't know if Sims has left Bleacher Report, but his old colleague that's still there, Adam Lefko. He, uh, he interviewed Todd Gurley, I guess it was today, yesterday, I saw the clip today, of Gurley and Lefko talking, and one thing that they brought up, they were talking about the, the parallels to NBA and NFL free agency, um, and really just the lack thereof. They were talking about how the tiers of corresponding players between the two leagues just don't match up and they don't get it. Gurley said... Man, you know, I, I lead the league in touchdowns for two years, and I have to look up the guy who's making eighty million in the NBA. He goes, I don't get it, bruh. And you know, it's really not that hard to understand. And Gurley, to his defense, it didn't sound like he was complaining about this. Okay, so I, I'm not gonna rag on him necessarily, but the guys who do, that, it, it's really not that difficult. The pie, while it is a different size, the NFL makes far more money than the NBA. There's just there's less mouths to go around in the NBA. There's less mouths, and there's far less elite players in the NBA. The elite, we all know by name. LeBron, Durant, Curry, Kawhi. Like, I mean, the actual game-changing type players, there's far fewer of them in the NBA. So for the rest of the mid-tier markets, the Milwaukee Bucks... Um, I don't really have that great of an idea who's not good anymore. I guess Oklahoma City's about to be bad because they're losing uh, Westbrook, it sounds like, to Miami. They just have all this money to, to, to dole out because of the TV contracts. TNT is paying out the you-know-what for the NBA. They got all this money, and they're like, well, we, we got to give it to somebody, so let's give $80 million to to Tobias whatever. There's, just, there, there's fewer mouths to feed, and the pie relative to it is so great. And then if we get into the nitty-gritty of it, it's just like, okay, well, injuries. Yeah, in the NFL, far more of a man. Not going to pay you to not play. I know that, you know, on the flip side of that argument is, well, I do get hurt, so that's why you should pay me more. It's like, well, okay, that's going to be a tug-of-war tug till the end of time. Owners are not going to pay for players to not play. And then you dig a little bit deeper. Statistics and proper value in assigning to a player. NFL is just far more dependent on your other teammates, offense, defense. Well, these are your statistics, but really, you know, these statistics are that way because you had this and that going for you, and you're on this team with that play caller. So actually your value isn't that, so I'm not going to assign you these dollars. The NBA, it's pretty freaking clear. My mother can walk into a gym, whether it's the NBA or it's high school. She can walk into a gym and immediately know who the best player is within five minutes. All she has to do is say, oh yeah, he has the ball. He has the ball and he's jumping over everyone, shooting over everyone, stealing the basketball from everyone. It's obvious. Football, you can't always tell who the best player is. You can't understand who's generating the offense, who's leading the defense. It's far more difficult to identify uh, the, you know, the value of players in the NFL. So, when people say this, when I hear this argument between NFL players are pissed off that NBA is getting all this and the guarantees, well, guess what? There's a reason it's not the same. Sport, and just because it's called sport, 
doesn't mean that everything's the same. Different sports take different abilities, different gifts. It requires different things. So to, to expect it to be the same, which people are guilty of this far too much, and it's something that irritates me to no end. You, can't, you cannot look at sport in the same lens as another. You got to look at each independently, NFL and NBA contracts being one of the latest. Appreciate everyone tuning in here. That's going to do it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoy your weekend uh, here after July 4th. Me, I am actually relocating. I'm moving up to Chicago this weekend, starting work on Monday. Wish me luck. I don't need luck. I'm all ready to go. But yeah, Chicago, real excited to drop in. I think I'm coming at basically the perfect time. It's the thick of summer. And I think uh, by what I can count, there's uh, only a few more uh, weeks left until basically winter hits but have no fear the podcast is coming the takes they're going to be hot as ever as you know i'm going to warm up the city of chicago chicagoland chirac whatever they call it up there i cannot wait to drop in it's going to be super fun excited to take the podcast to now it's third city um it's going to be a lot of fun i appreciate everyone's uh viewership here listening to what i have to say it's just the beginning things are ramping up with football i will see you guys next week